0: Rib it and cut. Cut! Cut 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 to cut cut, cut Cut and Cut Cut. Let's try it again. Cut and
1: cut. Cut Cut Check the gate. it.
0: Cut it. <laughs> Welcome to Cut, just another movie podcast. I'm Annie. I'm Angie. And we're two siblings that love movies. Happy New Year, everybody. This is our first podcast of 2023. We hope you are all enjoying the new year, watching new films, television shows, whatnot. Um, we have a pretty great podcast coming up for you guys. I'm really excited about this one because it's a movie that doesn't come often nowadays. It's it's kind of strange to be surprised for a movie that... Um, kind of comes out of nowhere, especially with social media and the internet being as prevalent as it is. But before we get to that movie, I just want to plug our podcast. Uh, We're on social media on Twitter and Instagram, at ComoviePod, where you should be able to find us. We plug uh, reviews, deep dives that we're going to do. Like, for example, we did deep dives on Titanic, which is their anniversary this year, and it's going to be re-released in theaters. We've done deep dives on Almost Famous, Texas Chainsaw Massacre as well as reviews on the menu and our upcoming one on uh, Babel. I was going to say (laughs) Babbel. Babylon, check it out. And also we do a video podcast. If you search Cut Movie Pod, you'll be able to find us. And it's just a video version of the podcast uh, that you're listening to. Having said that, what is the movie, Angie, that we just recently saw?
1: The movie is Skinnamarink. And I'm sure everyone at this point has at least heard that name. Maybe. On on Twitter, for sure, especially after this weekend.
0: If you're on film, Twitter, or any kind of socials with film, you probably heard about it uh, at the beginning. Not at the beginning, but at the end of last year. Um, And so before we get into our review, um, what's your first memory of hearing about Skinnamarink?
1: The first thing I heard about with Skinnamarink was... On TikTok, I can't remember the creator's name, but it was a TikTok that I saw where this girl was like, let me tell you about a movie that I had to turn off like halfway through. But she was like recommending it still. And she was talking about, she was like Marink. I saw it as part of a film festival. And she kind of just went on to say it was one of like the scariest things she's ever seen. And it left her like feeling so unnerved and like icky. And she like couldn't watch it. She had to turn it off. Um, and so from there I looked up the trailer and so I saw the trailer and the trailer is pretty scary. It's really simple, but it's really scary. And so other than that, I hadn't really heard anything else about it. Like I hadn't heard anything on Twitter yet, any other TikToks I hadn't seen yet. And then that's when I sent you the trailer.
0: I remember when you sent it to me, it gave me shades of kind of like the Blair Witch Project, like the first time I saw it. It's a very different movie, kind of. Um, but it gave me the vibes of like, what is this? Who made this? Why I haven't I heard about this? And that's what I mean, that like very few movies come along nowadays that sort of come out of nowhere and sort of capture people's imagination like Skinner Marine has. And, um, and it, the movie uh, got leaked on the internet. You know, originally it, uh, it was supposed to come out, uh, at a few film festivals. The first one was, uh, the Fantasia film festival. This was back in July. And then, uh, there were a few online, um, festivals that there was some kind of like issue with the festival and people were able to, I don't know if they were able to download it or capture it in some way, but then it went to torrent. And I think that's when like, Reddit and TikTok found it. And that's why people were like, what is this? Like, this is some scary shit. Like, it's creepy. We don't know what to make of it. And in a way, that that's another reason why it reminds me of, of uh, the Blair Witch Project. Because back in 1999, it was sort of the same idea, but different. Because back then, the internet wasn't as prevalent as it is now. And, you know, the Blair Witch is a found footage film. This isn't a found footage film. It's more of an experience. And so that's why I, I have this like a little bit of a connection with The Blair Witch and, and Skin of But again, they're, they're very different movies in, in my opinion.
1: I was really interested in it because of that, because it was the sort of thing where I was like, this isn't backed by any major like studio. I don't know any of the names associated with it. Like, I don't even know what it really is about. Like that was just kind of that thing. And the fact that it was like a horror movie again and people were just like, Seeming to be completely freaked out by it was really, really interesting to me. It made me excited.
0: The buildup to uh, Skin and Rink, which, by the way, you can watch it in theaters, it's very limited release. Like, I think it's what it, it came out in like over 600 theaters yeah. this past weekend. From the responses that we've been seeing, they've been pretty full theaters. So, the more that you go out and see it in theaters, the more the odds are that you're going to be able to see it in a movie theater. It's supposed to go on Shutter eventually, but they haven't really set out a date. So if you have Shutter, you can wait for that. But to me, if you really want to support it is try to find a movie theater and go see it because part of the experience of this movie has to do with seeing it with a group of people in a dark space with really great sound. Um, and we'll get to more details about why that is, but... To me, that's sort of the ideal situation to view this movie for it to be really effective of of what it's trying to do.
1: And I think too, if you're not able to see it in the theater, wait till it comes out on Shutter. Don't torrent it or anything like that. And when it does come out on Shutter, I recommend seeing it with headphones on, yeah. like headphones, and then turn all the lights off in your house and <laughs> just watch it by yourself.
0: Not to get ahead of ourselves, but it's very ASMR centric. Yeah, sound has totally a big thing to do with this film. Um before we get into our our review of the film we usually break up these podcasts into two parts we'll do the spoiler free version and then we'll do the uh spoiler version so for this time around i don't know if the song skimmerink is uh royalty free at this point i'm going to research it <laughs> so it's either going to be a little snippet of a skimmerink or i'm going to do static sounds which is again a big character in the film and if those who've watched it you'll get it and if not then you're just gonna have to deal with it but it's gonna be there one of those two sounds We'll we'll give you guys a, a a clue uh when the spoiler part because again this is a movie i don't know if you can even really spoil it if we get into very specific stuff like we'll we'll warn you guys the film was written and directed by kyle edward ball and it's his first feature film and the cast is very basic. There are two little kids and their parents. One of the kids is called, uh, named Kevin. Uh, the little girl's is named Kaylee. And then there's the dad and the mom. And that's it. So it's like very easy to remember like who's in it. Um, and the plot is essentially this. And this is from the, the official website of Skin and Rink. Uh, the plot is two children wake up in the middle of the night to find their father is missing and all the windows and doors in their home have vanished. To cope with the strange situation, the two bring pillows and blankets to the living room and settle into a quiet slumber party. They play well-worn videotapes of cartoons to fill the silence of the house and distract from the frightening and inexplicable situation, all the while in the hopes that eventually some grown-ups will come to rescue them. However, after a while, it becomes clear that something is watching over them. So Angie, what what did you think about not only just the experience of watching it, but as far as the film is concerned?
1: So we saw the film at the Frida, which is in Santa Ana, and it's another one of those little movie houses that are really unique. This one's unique in a sense that it has two screens instead of you know something like a New Bev that has one, which I thought was really cool. I'd never seen anything like that before. I'd never been to the Frida before, and it's a it's a really cool little theater. They have like. Um, all, like, the posters. There's, like, a big mural when you walk in of, like, all these, like, really important movies. And it seems like they have monthly Rocky Horror Picture Show screens yeah. because there's a big lip couch, like, in the back of the theater. And it's a pretty good size. So when we went to see it, all that I... I didn't even get the full synopsis when I read about it. The only thing I knew was it was two kids that wake up in a house, their dad's gone, and all the windows and the doors are gone. So when I went to see it, I was excited... A, to kind of see if it would sell out, like what size crowd, because this was ten fifteen on a Thursday. So I was like, I'm curious to see how many people are going to show up and just kind of how the audience is going to react to something like this, because especially in horror, you have when you have like an art house, art house horror movie kind of like this, it's very polarizing, similar to when we were talking about Blair Witch, you know, you have people who are like, this is stupid. I hated it. Nothing happened. And people who are like, no, like stuff did happen. You just kind of have to be patient with it. So I kind of knew that that was going to be a thing that was happening, but everyone in our theater seemed to really enjoy it.
0: The compositions of the of the film are purposefully so that you sort of fill in the gaps, your imagination. So anytime there is like a human being, it's just their feet or it's like the top of their heads. Like you don't really see faces and anything like that. And so leading up to going to see the movie, and the movie's an hour and 40 minutes, um, I told you, I was like, do you think you're going to be able to tolerate an hour and 40 minutes of just like kind of, you know, odd, you know, juxt- juxtaposition shots that normally would be like a like a cutaway in a normal movie? Like just consistently... Uh, shots of of that nature, and we both kind of looked at each other like, I don't know, like maybe this movie is going to end up feeling like twice as long because it's that. But overall, I was captivated by where it was all sort of going. um People have said that this film was like scary and like kind of plays on your nightmares and and all that. Me personally, and you know me, like I'm not a scary movie person. Jump scares, like even if it's not a scary movie, I get jump scared. Like if it's just like a loud noise, like even if it's not a scary movie, if someone like slams a door in a movie really loud, I'll, I'll jump up. For all the jump scares that are designed in this film, I didn't jump scare once. I didn't move. Because I think I was so fascinated with like, where is this all going? Like this is very different from your typical, you know, scary horror movie, whatever you want to call it. And so I was sort of, I don't know. My brain was in this kind of weird space where, like, I just wanted to, I just wanted it to keep going to see like where, like I said, this is all going and and plot wise, what I read is the most plot that you're going to get, and then the rest you kind of have to sort of come up on your by yourself. You know, no one's gonna sit there and like explain it for you, which is I think sort of the cool thing about this movie is that there's no real typical narrative where you can be like point A to point B to point C to point D. It's more of just, again, the experience and you just have to sort of come away with it. Like what what uh you come away with, you know?
1: I don't think like horror fans that are going into it as a horror movie are going to like it just because it's atmospheric and there's no dialogue. Well, there is dialogue, but it's like four words and a lot of the shots aren't centered. Like it's like a corner of like a door and a lot of the shots are like really, really fuzzy, like even more so in the theater, I feel like. I was rewatching the trailer right now. And one of the shots that was like a big scare part, we couldn't even see what it was (laughs) like. We were just because the whole crowd behind us was like, oh, and we were like, what is everyone looking at? Like, I don't see. And I just saw on my laptop and I could totally see like what it was supposed to be. So I feel like seeing it blown up in the theater made it a little bit harder to see a lot of the stuff in the dark. And like even the graininess, like you could see it a lot in the theater. Like it looked like little like fuzzy, like worms almost like it was weird
0: if you're not a fan of graininess in like film or video, you're not, if that's like a layer that you just can't get past, you're not going to like this movie. And I'm speaking specifically to James Cameron and uh, Peter Jackson because <laughs> for two reasons. James Cameron is notorious for de-graining noise reduction in his films like Terminator 2, uh, The Abyss. If you look at their 4K transfers, they're just spotless and Peter Jackson if you look at Get Back, which is the the documentary with the Beatles and Let It Be and all that, the thing that really bothered me about that documentary, they all look, their skins look like porcelain. And this was shot in 16 millimeter, the documentary was. And it's like, that footage did not look like that. He just like glossed over all put of Put it that. through
1: a face yeah, tune filter. And just put
0: noise reduction to 10. And <laughs> yeah, like, this one, just,
1: noise reduction is negative 100. Negative 100, yeah. It's real bad. Yeah. When you're in the theater, it's kind of cool because the shots, because there are shots that are completely black. And when you have that graininess, you can kind of almost see something there, which was probably intentional. And that's what I really, that's one of the things that I really liked about it is that it really plays on your fear if you're afraid of the dark. I wasn't really afraid of the dark much, but if you are a person who's afraid of the dark, this movie is probably going to scare you.
0: Some of the things that I had been reading with people's reactions is sort of displaying to people's nightmares. And one of the reoccurring nightmares that some people have had are that idea that you're, you know, when you're about eight or 10 years old, that you're home alone and then your parents don't come home or your parents just sort of disappear and you're trying to find them and you can't. I've personally never had that Mm. as a nightmare. You know, maybe someone listening out there has, but that would be terrifying if that's, if I had had that nightmare as a kid and then I'm watching this and I'm like, (laughs) holy shit.
1: It also kind of reminds me and I know almost everyone has done this at some point where you're getting up in the middle of the night and you go to the bathroom and the bathroom's like down the hallway from your room. And so you finish and you turn the light off in the bathroom and you have to run really fast to your room and then turn the light on in your room. And that's kind of what this movie is like that feeling when you're running from the dark to another place that's lit up. That's kind of what this where this movie kind of lies in between that.
0: I can definitely relate to that aspect of being scared in the dark especially when I was a kid because I when I was a kid I would uh I would have to have my TV on you know to go to sleep I couldn't go to sleep in the dark that's obviously changed now I need it to be absolutely dark but when I was a kid I needed some kind of small light source and that in itself plays a big role in the movie too there's a television and um and uh it's sort of like kind of like the safety net for the kids you know, uh, where all this strangers is kind of happening around them.
1: That TV being on throughout most of the movie really helps with the fact that there's no dialogue, there's no sound, there's no score, there's no soundtrack. So the TV ends up really being the soundtrack and it kind of helps as an audience member to not feel like the movie is kind of dragging because there's kind of like this constant soundtrack of like, old-timey cartoons, which I feel like a lot of people would think was scary, but that, to me, was very soothing. Like, I loved hearing, like, the old little cartoon sounds in the back and, like, all the old music. And I think just, like, the toys, even though they're toys from, I guess, a lost era now, because a lot of people won't recognize those toys.
0: Well, I mean, there's Lego. There's, like, a
1: Barbie and Lego, but me, you're right.
0: The, to me, one of the big winners in the movie, royalty-free old cartoons, uh, old CRT televisions, and Legos. Yeah. Because <laughs> you see a lot of that. That's true. TVs, like with static, I mean, you could relate that to like Poltergeist mm-hmm. or like The Ring. And I mean, there it's it's uh it's been used before, but like you said, like that idea of like that there's like this old 30s, 40s cartoon that's playing. To me, it's kind of creepy in context. I think if I was just watching it, like just regs, <laughs> you know, I'd be like, whatever, but I think the way that it's sort of presented and in the context of the movie it does make it, you know, on the on the creepy side.
1: I'd fall asleep to the Twilight Zone. That's probably why I thought it was fine because <laughs> that's what I put on to go yeah. to sleep.
0: Going back to the sound, you know, we talked about the sound from from the cartoon, but also there's this grainy static, like running an old reel to reel, or like leaving the record needle on on your record player. That's that's really the soundtrack to the film. And it kind of changes volumes at certain points. Like it's kind of constant. But then right before there's going to be like a dramatic moment, it kind of increases in volume and then decreases. And it, and then it sort of, it kind of varies. So it's not always like at the same level. Yeah. Um, and there's which I thought also, was done really well.
1: I noticed one of the other major sounds is light switches. That's like super loud in the movie. It's just like... Like, it's like not even a light switch sound. It's just like a weird sound. But that's another one of the sounds that you hear in the movie that's like really, really prominent. It's like every time. It's almost like a jump scare every time because it's so loud. Um, And then I think light plays a really important thing in the movie, too, because you have a lot of these dark scenes. And then you have weirdly blue lit up scenes because I would imagine it's kind of mimicking like the light off of a TV. Just right. that like weird blue glow.
0: I think one of the great memories that I'm going to have of of watching Skinner Marink* is the crowd reaction, especially because like I said, like usually I fall into those traps of like, like, and for some reason with this movie, I was maybe focusing on like, again, how this was made or um, the process of coming up with a story like this. And again, not having your traditional narrative. That I was almost laughing at the people that fell for it because it was kind of like a it was like seeing a like a magic trick and knowing how it works, yeah, but then like your buddy that you're with is just so captivated with the the trick, you know
1: well, there was one scare in particular where I like cracked up because it was so dumb, but it was so effective yeah. that I was just like, oh my god, like and it's like it was like a two punch jump scare right because it was like the initial jump scare, and then there was like an even bigger one right after. But just the fact that it was so dumb, and I'll talk about it in the spoiler section. But it got the biggest reaction out of the theater. Was so funny to me, I like, right. could not stop laughing.
0: One of the like the hidden heroes of this movie is the way it was cut together, because in the beginning it's sort of you get repeat. Like the thing that I was afraid of with this film, like we talked about, is is this going to get boring? Like am I going to get tired of seeing door frames and people's feet and whatever? But it totally wasn't that. And in the beginning, you do get those repetitive. Shots to establish like the space, because again, there's no real white shots, you know this all takes place in a house, but there isn't like a white shot to be like this is the living room or this is like the bathroom or this is like the garage or whatever. they're very narrow spaces um and they're set up in that way so when those jump scares do happen, you know exactly like where you're at, and like you know uh there's a sequence with like a night light that kind of freaked me out, and it wasn't even like that big of a like a a big deal in the movie.
1: It being shot that way where you have these just like tight shots of the stairs or like a banister or like a light that's in the house or a fan, it really kind of makes it so that you th- you're like this is my house, like this could be my house because I have stairs, I have lights, you know, like you could imagine it being your childhood home or you could imagine it being your home now. And I think that's what made it scarier to people is that they're like, this could be my house. (laughs) Like, you know, like this looks like my house,
0: but you're really in this confined space and it does sometimes feel a little bit claustrophobic. Um, but they did such a good job with the pacing of it. And, um, and I think another big thing about this movie is the aesthetic. Like to me, it reminds me of like, uh, liminal spaces. Like if you've ever been on Twitter or yeah, or on Reddit (laughs) and it's like just, you know, photographs of these like very liminal spaces with like low lighting and and there's a little bit of grain and, and you kind of have to use your imagination to look into the darkness of certain images and they're very uh, linear, you know, um, forced perspective. Uh, I feel like the, the film took a lot of that energy and just put it into it. And so it's, it's very of the time as well as a throwback at the same time because again, the graininess... But a lot of the post production was to make it look like it was shot on, you know, film, eight millimeters, sixteen mil, super grainy, and again, the soundtrack is very rough with, uh, you know, a uh, hiss and pops and stuff like that. So, again, if I didn't know anything about it, I thought this movie was made in the like, you know, even back to like the eighties, you know, on a really low budget. Um, and so a lot of a lot of that character in the movie is just the aesthetic too, which I I really enjoyed
1: but that you should mention it seemed like it seemed like it's from another time uh i was rewatching the trailer earlier and i noticed that at the very end when it says like a release date it says 1972 and then it like glitches and then it says 2022 oh yeah nice. and i was like oh that's interesting i hadn't noticed that the first yeah. time i saw it
0: there is a date to the film and it starts at the very beginning there's a title card where it says the date uh of where you're watching takes place, but You're going to have to wait till the spoiler part. So overall, what did you think of Skin of
1: I liked it for what it was. I think it's very, I think it's really imaginative. It's really original. It kept me intrigued. I wasn't bored. The scares were really effective for the crowd we were with. I don't think that it's as scary as everyone is saying it is. That's kind of the part that was a little disappointing to me is I was just like, it's not, you know, people are like, I was crying and like, I couldn't watch it. I wanted the movie to be over. Like it's not that like at all, but it is a really interesting take on a scary movie. And I think the simplicity of it is what I liked about it the most is because it was so effective because it was so simple and because it plays on the fears that everyone has as children and like your fear of the dark and just kind of seeing things that aren't there. And I think the fact that every shot is like the corner of something kind of helps with that because you're kind of just like, like trying to like see (laughs) the other side of the shot. So I think it was really effective in doing that. And I I liked it for what it was.
0: I think this movie is going to be divisive. I think you're going to fall into two camps of like, this is boring. Like I'm looking in door frames and you sort of, you're emotionally just disconnected from it. And then you're going to be of the like, oh crap, this is like, going into this realm of my brain that like I had like
1: for ignored yeah. for years, <laughs>
0: but it's tapping into something that I had feared when I was a kid. And so I think it's those people that are going to be really terrified. I kind of fall in the middle of that where I never really had those. I had completely different terrors and I still do <laughs> that are, that are again are completely different, but I also can't dismiss it as just like, that there's no like thought behind it. There's definitely a lot of thought behind it and a lot of narrative that breaks the mold, which is the thing that, to me, I love, is that it's trying to go for something different, and I think they achieved it, and especially with the the minimal budget that they had, Um, and to come out of nowhere, and it's a first-time director, and just kind of pushing the envelope a little bit into just something different in a genre that sometimes feels like, we see the same tropes being played over and over again, you know, to go for something that's like very minimal, very of the time, like I said, liminal spaces. And I feel like there's a big internet kind of support for that. And that's something that I'll get into the spoiler part is that the internet really had a lot to do with the success of this movie and the fact that it's even being distributed in movie theaters and is going to be released on shutter. Um, I think it's a great sign of the times, just like Blair Witch was. And I think it's going to be remembered for all of that.
1: Yeah. And it's also coming at a time in horror, I think, where original concepts are really being championed, just like you said, because we're tired of the same old horror tropes. You know, we've we've kind of seen it all and done it all. And we're just kind of excited for some new stuff. And we have been getting new stuff. We have been getting different stuff. And it is because audiences go see it. And they have like a pretty big say in whether or not it succeeds. And so, you know, you have movies like this coming out and it just goes to show that fans can have a say and kind of can, you know, put things out there that otherwise wouldn't have seen, you know, the light of day basically.
0: And I think the important thing too is that we still have a world where this like film is possible and can succeed. Because I was losing a lot of faith in that things couldn't be that original anymore that they would just go straight to like, you know, a streamer and then not, like you said, see the light of day and then it's be over. The theater experience I think is what really defines this movie and really kind of, if you're going to get it, if you're really going to like fall for this movie, but in the best way um, it is like through a movie theater. If you don't (laughs) find your buddy that has like the biggest screen possible, a projector (laughs) Uh, with system. a really great sound system or like headphones, like Angie said.
1: And I think that's probably the one con, which is, you know, it's not to blame, you know, the filmmakers or whatever. But I don't think it's going to translate to like a movie you catch on, you know, KTLA or something. You right. know, or It's if, not going to have the same effect. If you're
0: like cooking dinner and all your lights in the house you're on. Right. And, if, and if you sort of just stumble upon it and you kind of look at it for like a few minutes. Well, it's not one of those. You have to like start it from the very mm-hmm. beginning and like set an atmosphere. But I feel like that's by design. Like I don't think the director No. No, no, no. But that's like the only that. thing. Yeah. That
1: was me being nitpicky is being yeah. like it's not going to translate to TV or right. like, you know, if you just throw it on and you're you have friends over, like that's not going to that's yeah, not going to work. I, like maybe watch it with one other person alone, but if you're watching it with a big group of people, unless they're like going to be quiet the whole time and not look at their phones and like completely get immersed, then don't watch yeah, it with if other you people. you have
0: a friend that's like talking head and like just will not shut up during a movie. Don't watch this movie with them. It has to be quiet and again you have to hear every detail of of the sound because it's such a big character. Um having said that, let's go ahead and go into the uh spoiler part. So again, I need to look at the royalty issue with Skinner Marink. so it's either going to be that song or it's going to be just like tape his or a needle just going over a record. <laughs> and here we go. This is the spoiler part of uh, Skinnamur Inc. Do you know, Angie, the origin of the song Skinnamur
1: I was surprised that I even remembered how that song even went, because I don't think. I had ever seen it like, cause I know it was like a kid's sing along thing for a right. while with like, I think eighties kids. And I knew like, I knew the melody cause you were like, does it have to do with why is it called Skinner and, and I sang the song and I was like, how do I know that song? Like, so I think that's pretty much the only thing it was just in my brain for some reason.
0: Right. <laughs> so my memory of Skinner Rink is from the song as well, but there's different spellings. To Skinnamarink. Like, for example, if you go back to the 1910 version, which was written by Felix F. Feist for a Broadway production of the musical The Echo, that's the first origin of, of Skinnamarink. They say it's Skittamarink, not Uh, And especially because when you you uh, do the vernacular of the song, it's Skitty Marink. I think a, a boomp. Okay. <laughs> but my memory of it is, if you guys have ever seen the film Ruby Sparks with Paul Dano and Zoe Kazan, there's this really creepy sequence. And if you haven't seen it, go see it. But if you have seen it, the premise of the movie is that Paul Dano is this like up and coming writer and his typewriter manifests his perfect girlfriend. And so as he types... And this typewriter, his girlfriend, played by Zoe Kazan, does whatever he types into it. And there's this, like, culmination scene where uh, he's sort of fed up with the whole idea because he realizes that ultimately he can't control her. She's just going to do whatever she wants. And he writes in that she starts singing Skid- Skidamarink <laughs> in front of him. And she's, so she does this, like, dance and, like, is singing it. But it's very, like, it's, it's creepy, It's awful, you know, because he realized that's when he realizes that like this isn't going to work. And like this is an awful idea. I'm like, what am I doing? But every time I hear Skidamark, I think of that scene in in, uh, Ruby Sparks.
1: I wanted to talk about just the opening because that's the only time you hear the dad talking. He's on the phone and he talks about how Kevin hit his head, like Kevin fell down and hit his head or something. Right. And... I don't know. I just thought that was really interesting because then I guess just the way the movie plays out, you could be like, is this just Kevin's weird? I hit my head concussion right. dream, <laughs> Like yeah. you know? And so I, I thought that it was kind of interesting that they put that in there.
0: Do you think that uh, Kevin's dad is calling 911 or is calling his
1: wife? He's calling someone. He's not calling 911. I don't know who it is, but I think the way the movie plays out, they make it seem like the mom is dead. I don't know if I got
0: mama's dead vibes, but I got, I kind of forgot about that beginning part. Yeah. Honestly, to me, that's the question of like, that maybe he is calling uh, his wife or Kevin's mom. And then something happens to her in the process. Okay. Maybe that, but again, that's up to interpretation (laughs) and, and all of that. But because after that, I don't know if there's like a, a moment where I could say like that his mom is like definitely or their mom is like gone right. or like missing or whatever. Um, something happens and that's when sort of things start going haywire in the house and, and windows start disappearing. Those are some of my favorite like edits of like, there's a shot of like a window and then it's just like a hard cut. And it's boiling, like, boing, like disappears. It disappears.
1: My favorite is the toilet. The toilet, yeah. <laughs> Cause yeah. you're like, why take the toilet? Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. Where are these kids going to go to the restroom? And I think there
1: is like, there's like a sound later in the movie where like, it sounds like one of them is peeing, right?
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. I think the first jump scare was the doll, right? That one got me
1: because I wasn't paying attention. Oh, you know
0: what? (laughs) I just remembered the chair that's on the ceiling.
1: That was, that was so poltergeisty. Yeah. That's totally what it reminded me of. And that was really cool to see in the theater because... You could hear everyone slowly realizing what had happened because everyone was like, oh. And then they were like, oh, oh. And like, it just got louder. And so I thought that was really cool.
0: It came out of nowhere. Yeah. And that's when you sort of realize that there's something up in the house. And it does, because it's so darkly lit, it kind of takes your eyes to just a little bit and it's on the far top left corner. And I did, I did that out, yeah. out. I was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> but then I think the next scene is uh, the doll that's like on the ceiling, right?
1: It's like a really slow pan shot and it's kind of like panning around the ceiling and then it pans to like a Barbie doll and it kind of just holds there for a minute. And then I I wasn't looking, so I don't know what happened. I just heard the loud thing. There was a loud noise
0: (laughs) and like people shrieked. What I really like about um, the shots too is that some of them are like POVs of like the kids because they're very low to the ground, Yeah, you know? So they're like maybe like three, tall, feet, eh? tall. three feet tall. So a lot of the, the shots are from POVs of the the size of the kids. But then some of them, I think the, the great use of when you do see humans in the film, it's very starting like, oh my God, there, there he is. You know, there's <laughs> Kevin, you know? Um, and they're very sparse in the film but I thought that was such a brilliant idea of like some of it is POV so like again that doll shot that could be a little kid looking up Mm -hmm. and looking for it but I thought that was just such a great use of of camera work and composition and just putting you in the in the uh, in the body of just what the house looks like from like a little kid's perspective this old animated film cartoon sort of takes somewhat of a center stage and like maybe the coping of the kids dealing with whatever's happening in the house. Um, Angie, I know you found like some info on like what the cartoon was.
1: So it looks very much like how you would imagine old Disney cartoons from the thirties to be like the old Mickey Mouse cartoons. It looks like that. And I was just curious to see what it was because I don't know. I wanted to know. <laughs> and so I ended up finding a blurb while I was looking for something else. And it's, From 1931, and it's called Bimbo's Initiation. It's a short um, about Bimbo, a humanoid dog, which we see in the movie at one point, is invited to join a mysterious, perhaps occult society and forced to confront many frightening scenarios before learning that the leader of the cult is Betty Boop and that it's the other members (laughs) and that other members are all dancing Betty Boop doppelgangers. Wow. So it's like a weird culty kind of cartoon. And they're, I love this scene where they're like repeating on a loop that weird like bunny that's like disappearing oh, it into, like itself. into itself. That yeah. I thought was so genius just because the sound of the disappearing kind of reminded me of like the camera sound in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Just like one of those sounds right. that's like creepy. Yeah. And the fact that it was playing over and over and over again kind of made me really uncomfortable.
0: Kyle Edward Ball mentions in an interview that that cartoon is a memory that he has of his mother buying this old VHS tape when him and his younger sister were kids and they would watch it over and over again. And when he later decided to make this film, which by the way, shot it in his parents' house over seven days. And so it's literally the house where he grew up in, which adds another layer of like, you know, nightmare and like, you know, recollection Childhood
1: fears. Fears and all that.
0: <laughs> And when he found out that that, uh, that cartoon animation, that cartoon was in public domain, he's like, this is like perfect for the type of movie that I'm doing. And that's why I was like, a winner in this movie is a uh, public domain animation. The director also talked about that he devised backstories for the absentee or are they parents, but he won't share what they are. And he he basically said that He's leaving it up to the audience to sort of maybe it'll be in
1: the Criterion release.
0: I hope so. (laughs) I hope it gets Criterion. He needs all the all the releases. I said earlier that I thought the film had broken sort of the narrative when it comes to films that it's not your typical narrative. Um, But Ball, the director, talks about that the story is linear, with an inciting incident, rising rising into action, climax, and then descending into action. That acknowledges that within Skinnamarink, there are mysteries for me and said, if people pay attention, they see it's basically a Hansel and Gretel story.
1: Well, Hansel and Gretel are the little brother and sister that get eaten by the witch. So you can translate it to them getting eaten by the house because, and that was actually one of the most chilling scenes for me is when it's, it's like that. Lego shot with, like, the tiny house that's, like, the Lego are all on the ceiling, I think, and right. they're all kind of, like, bunched up, and then it says, like, 572 days, and I was just like, oh, my God, like, that was, like, I think that's one of the scariest parts is when you realize that how long they've been in the house.
0: I love that shot, too. And,
1: like, it reminded me, and I've said this since since I saw the synopsis of the movie, there's a book called House of Leaves, and it just reminds me so much of that book because the book is kind of complicated to explain, but but part of it is there's this house that ends up growing. There's a dark hallway and it just gets bigger and it's like in the house and like they go back and explore it the next day and it's like a mile deeper. And so, and like rooms start coming out that weren't there before, like banisters start moving over. It's just like kind of like a morphing house. So the house as an entity is kind of the way I see the house in Skinnamarink and like in the Hansel and Gretel story, I just... See the house as the witch that like eats these two kids basically.
0: I don't know if I was like hallucinating at some point or my eyes were playing tricks, but once there's that sequence where we talked about the toilet disappearing and then like the windows disappearing, there's this shot, I think if it, I think if I think it's of the hallway and there's like a door frame and it di- you barely see the door frame and then it dissolves into a wall. Very subtle. Like mm-hmm. you could barely see it. And I was looking at that and I think my jaw was like, <laughs> like this. Do you remember that I don't scene? remember that. At that point, I was just like, I don't know if I'm seeing things or, or it's the movie, but I, I, that's one of my favorite memories too of watching the movie where you start questioning like what you're seeing. Yeah. And like you talked about in the grain too where you're like, especially when it's complete art, it's like, am I, is that a form of something? Or is that just my imagination playing like tricks on me? Well,
1: yeah, especially in the last shot where you see it's like dark and then you see like a face kind of like Okay, who do you think that is? I don't think it's either of the kids. I don't know. I think it's whatever's in the house.
0: I think it's the manifestation of the dad.
1: What it reminded me of, and then I saw a side by side today and I was like, that almost looks exactly the same, is the reveal shot. I can't even tell you because you haven't seen it. The reveal shot in Lake Mungo, which is another, oh. like, I would probably do a double bill with these two because they're they're pretty similar. The reveal shot in Lake Mungo works the same as the the reveal shot at the end of Skin and Rink, where it's just like a really, really slow panning. You're kind of like, what am I looking at? What am I looking at? And then like, once you see it, you're just like, oh my God. And it's like, like someone put two shots side by side. And even the way the face is like formed, which is very specific in Lake Mungo, it looks the same. Really? Yeah.
0: Okay, so I went on IMDb and I'm doing that right now as you're telling me that. I saw a photo. Did you see the photo of the guy who played the dad? No. And I think it's... It's him? I'm going to show it to you right now while you're like <laughs> reacting.
1: I guess. But I don't know. It's just like I couldn't really find features on the face at the end of Skin and Marinc.
0: It seemed like to me that whoever the dad was had been overtaken by like whatever's happening in the house. Okay. And he kind of lost sight of who his kids were, and then it's just like I don't because he asked like, "What's your name?"
1: Yeah, right. Who knows if it's him? It's probably not him. It might not be him.
0: I, I don't know. The and house, it, is but asking. it's super grainy. And,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. And then
0: it just sort of ends. But going back to one of the creepiest scenes is the uh, the parents' bedroom. So what was that thing that you saw in the trailer? Right. So in Which the trailer, while watching the movie. in
1: the trailer you can see the shot. The same shot where we were in the theater and everyone is freaking out. And we're like, I don't know what they're looking at. It's the white shot of just the bed, right? And it's the bed, but the dad's sitting on the... You could see the dad sitting on the side of the bed, like facing away. So like Like if you were to come into a room and the bed's right here, the dad's sitting on the edge of the bed facing that way. So you don't see his face. You just kind of see the outline of his shirt, like his back. Oh, okay. And so that's what people were freaking out in the theater And we didn't realize it until the next shot where you see his feet. And that's when we were like, oh, like, yeah, his legs. You see his legs because he's sitting on the edge of the bed. And that was one of the scariest scenes for me. That's probably the scariest scene because the sense of dread that is built in that scene is so scary that when he does say something, he says, look under the bed. And everyone was like, no, like everyone kind of like squirmed.
0: To me, that's (laughs) sort of the great sequences in movies where... There's a, a narrative in, within the movie of like, there's something bad. Don't look under there. And one of the characters in the movie says, look under there. And yeah. his audience member like, oh, fuck.
1: And it also plays into childhood nightmares because you're like, don't look under don't your bed. Under there's the monsters bed, yeah. under the bed. That's why I don't have an under the bed. I have a platform bed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and also growing up as kids, you know what we had under our bed? Fucking Crap. like games <laughs> and like Blankets. boxes and like. That also helps. Just, things from the house you know so there was i would always thought it's impossible for someone to be under the no bed one wants to be under there because it's just packed with shit
1: i don't think he sees anything under the bed right
0: no it's well i didn't see anything
1: yeah it's just like a really slow kind of fake yeah. out scare but that
0: was another great audience moment because right people were
1: like, uh, yeah like, and then you know. when he comes back up is when he sees his mom on the other side of the bed and that was like another freaky part is people were like oh fuck like
0: and she's just sitting again there but looking away
1: I think that's kind of one of the scariest things for me to look at is someone with their back turned to you and you just see like the back of their head. Blair Witch. Yeah, or like, I think of that scene in The Simpsons where Homer's hallucinating and he sees Marge and he's trying to run to see her face, but it's just her back the entire time. That's frightening. And so, and same, you have a shot later where you see Kevin and he's sitting in the hallway, the poster, and he's just, his back is to you. And I think that's, Something really scary to look at, at least for me. It's frightening.
0: That scene got my heart pumping. I know I said how like this movie didn't really scare me or anything, but that scene definitely got my heart rate up. The telephone.
1: That (laughs) was a really genius scene because it's one of those things like we were talking about the face that you see at the end and how like it slowly kind of comes into focus and you're just like, what am I looking at? The same thing happened with the phone, but it's funny because at first you just see like eyebrows, like it looks like two little eyebrows in the dark because this scene, it's just like focusing in the dark and you don't see anything. And then you see like two eyebrows that go like this and then you're like, what? And then you see like a nose and you're just kind of like trying to focus on trying to find what you're looking at, like trying to make shape of it. And then (laughs) the light turns on and it's a fucking like toy telephone, the one with like the little eyes from like the 80s.
0: Isn't it in Toy Story? The,
1: I don't know the is f- it
0: phone with I it might think be a story yeah.
1: so then it like shows the phone and everyone was just like that ah, and then like it lingers on the phone a little bit and then the eyes just go and like go down and people like freaked out and that was the funniest thing to me because it was so simple and it was so stupid but, but so it worked <laughs> and it was it's it's, so it was really funny
0: going back to the whole idea that you don't show faces there's the lack of it so as human beings like we that's what we look at. We look at faces for reactions and to get confirmation and all that. And so the fact that you, you can't make out this face and then you realize it's a toy and then it moves, you know, it's <laughs> sort of like, it's like a double jump.
1: It's a good you one know. too. Jump it's scare. a good one
0: too for sure.
1: The last 15 minutes is where, and I hate to use this when I'm talking about someone's movies that aren't David Lynch, but the last 15 minutes are where it really felt Lynchian to me. And it's even on the poster where it's like, this is like if David Lynch directed Poltergeist. Because they get more and more abstract, like especially that shot where you see like the blood coming out and then the blood goes back and then the blood comes out and then the blood. And then you have that upside down like Lego scene and it's just kind of noise. Like it's kind of nothing makes sense anymore. Everything kind of just jumping back and forth. And then when you do kind of land, you see the 572 days and you're just like, uh... Eh. And so that to me was just a wild ride. Like the last 15 minutes were when the movie goes like full insane mode. And then the, the other part that was really scary was kind of where Kevin calls 911 and whatever that is in the house tells him to stab himself in the eye. And then you just see like the blood on the back of the, the cupboard. That was really, really scary. It was really creepy. And then you have him like talking to the nine one one operator, and I don't. It's just very creepy events.
0: Because I was so fascinated with how this movie came about and the director and the origins and all that, Um, I tried to do as much research research as I could uh, to try to make sense of it and to the questions that I had. And I found some really cool, just kind of uh, tidbits, if you will. Um, So Ball, the director. I've been uploading short films since 2017 uh, on a YouTube channel called Bite Size Nightmares. And he tested the idea of skinnering on a short called Heck, which is 30 minutes long. And he, uplo- he uploaded it in July 2020. And from there, he got comments through Reddit and YouTube. And so he, in an interview he gave, he basically talks about that's why the audience and like the internet was like the co-director of Skinner Marine because he took those feedback as like notes, like you would from like a studio or like a producer or whatever, incorporated that onto Skinner Marine. And I thought that was really interesting. And I asked you earlier if you had heard about that YouTube page called By Size Nightmares, because mm-hmm. I really want to see heck because yeah. apparently it's like, well, uh, it after okay. <laughs> like I said earlier, Skinner Mering was shot in a week, August, 2021 at his parents' house in, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, Ball's original cut was 20 minutes longer, which meant that the movie's running time was going to be a full two hours.
1: That's so long.
0: But after that feedback that I talked about, he started hacking away at it. Even though his boyfriend told him the two-hour version is like, fine, you didn't need to cut that out.
1: Release the two-hour version. That's
0: going to be in the...
1: Criterion? <laughs> yes.
0: In the supplements, Yeah, as like the criterion calls them. Some of the inspiration that Ball uh, got was from Ty West, The House of the Devil, which, if you haven't seen that movie, I think I brought it up to your attention back in the day, right?
1: Yeah, you sent me the trailer for it.
0: Like Skinamarink, the aesthetic is what got me. And if I didn't know that that movie had been made, in, what year was that? Two
1: thousand, late two thousand ten, maybe? early two
0: thousand tens, something like there? that. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't have guessed that it had been made there, I thought it would be made in like the 70s. And so he really liked the aesthetic and wanted to make a movie that wasn't of this time. And he even talks about in this interview about why don't we make more movies that look like this, that look from like the 60s or 70s or 80s. I
1: feel like the answer to that is because it can get tired. Like it can feel forced kind of the way, like how Ty West X Kind of feels a little forced, like, the oh, this is the 70s. Like, And so I feel like it's very easy to go from this genuinely looks like, or, like, this is a cool, like, looks like the 70s, to go from that to, like, hokey and be like, well, this is, you know. So I think maybe that's why people don't do it as much is because I think it'll get tired.
0: One of the things that uh, I read that Ball talked about Uh, versus something being scary versus creepy. I don't know if you'll agree or disagree with this. And he related it to The Shining. He said that when The Shining came out, it didn't really get the response that it got today because The Shining is not scary. It's creepy. And creepy only gets creepier with age.
1: Creepy stays with you because creepy is what you think about at night. Scary isn't. You know, like much like this movie creepy is the hallway being dark in your nightlight falling on the floor when you need it there, you know, versus scary is like, I don't know, someone jumping out at you from like a door, you know, like, I don't know. It's just like a lot of times when you think about movies that really scared you, at least for me, I guess it could be different for another person. You think about these really creepy moments and I say creepy because they're subtle. They're not like in your face. Like I always think about that scene in The Strangers where Liv Tyler's in her kitchen and it's the first time you see the masked killer and he's right behind her and he kind of just like materializes very slowly. And that to me is one of the creepiest scenes. And people remember that, like that sticks with people more than like, you know, the guy getting shot in the face or like. Or the
0: chainsaw that comes out and like saw somebody in half.
1: Yeah. And so I think creepy stays, creepy lasts for sure.
0: As we close off this uh, podcast, what are, what are your final thoughts on uh, Skinner Rink?
1: I'm excited to see it again when it comes out on Shutter, just because it would be fun to see things that I maybe might have missed the first time. After that, I don't think I'll see it again because I feel like it's going to kind of lose its effectiveness. Or maybe not. I don't know. I guess we'll see. But I've, I really did enjoy what Kyle Edward Ball managed to do With the budget that he had, and just with it's just the whole house the whole time you're just in the house the time, and just making these very familiar things scary, I think, is really effective, and I think it'll it's definitely and it already has people talking about it, which is good whether it's bad feedback or good feedback. I think the fact that people are talking about it is really good and it makes me really hopeful that movies like this will continue to be able to be made just because you know it gained so much steam like on TikTok basically is at least that's how I heard about it and then yeah just like how you were saying about how he had Heck and then he got people's feedback on it and kind of morphed that into Skimmer and so because of that hopefully we can get more original movies like this and people who maybe thought they couldn't get a movie made like this will probably think about it and it'll be out you know so I'm really excited to see what comes from this.
0: I'm really hopeful that people watch this film. And like I said, you know, try to see in the movie theater if you can. It might be out for just a week in theaters. It might be out for two weeks, but the more support it gets, the more it's going to be able to expand and, and be seen by more people. But I, I really feel that it is going to inspire a generation of filmmakers to even shoot with like their phones. And I know that's been done before. Um, You know, Steven Soderbergh has done it. Spielberg was like experimenting, experimenting with it. And you don't need tons of money to make something that's going to be viewed by a lot of people. And that's why I I love, I mean, I love Ring for what the narrative is and, and what we talked about it being a movie. But what I love even more about is that the trend that I could start sending of people that you don't have to settle for youtube you can set your you know goals to to be seen in a movie theater you don't need to spend a lot of money and you don't have to buy all this gear uh it's all about the story and the narrative and the message that you want to try to send that's the most important thing because again you can do a lot with very little um and i think skin is just a testament to that and uh i want to see more movies like this whatever genre they are it doesn't matter. Uh, I want to be surprised, and, and that was the biggest thing. That when you sent me that trailer, I was like, "Holy shit!" Like that, and that's what I miss with movies is that so much of it feels so like stagnant and like it's the same people making the same movies, and to have someone that I didn't know making something that didn't fit the cookie cutter of what we expect to be a movie that to me is really fucking exciting. Like I can't even remember the last time a movie sort of came out this way where it was just kind of like, you know, I think back to like Cloverfield yeah, and I know that was JJ J. Abrams and, <laughs> and his group of friends and whatever. It came out of nowhere, you know, it wasn't published anywhere and people were like produced by JJ J. Abrams and like, huh, you know, <laughs> but other than that, I can't think of anything else that like, took me by that that much of a surprise no
1: and even seeing I watched the trailer on my phone and it sucked me in so fast that like I was in the living room and I heard a sound while I was watching the trailer and I just went like almost like through my phone just because I was like so immersed into this trailer and I wish the movie scared me as much as the trailer did because it didn't scare me as much as the trailer did but it's it was still a good movie
0: I would recommend it for Especially if you're not into gory, scaring because mm-hmm. there's very little of it. Most of it is in your mind and and psychological. Um, and again, depending on <laughs> your upbringing and the things that you know gave you nightmares. But I I really enjoyed it, and I really want to rewatch it again for some of the things that we missed. One of the things that Ball talked about is that there is a scene where there is a human in it, but Him and the director of photography, when you see the final version, you can't tell that there's somebody in it, but Mm. there's somebody in it and they're the only ones that know what scene it is and you won't see what it
1: is.
0: (laughs) So, but I love shit like that where it's like you have to figure it out and come to your own conclusions and it creates a conversation, you know, between uh, your buddies and yeah. And and I love that
1: the movie makes you pay attention to it. Like you can't be on your phone, you can't literally... Before the movie started at the Frida, the guy that introduced it was like literally if you if someone takes out their phone, it's like the the illusion is ruined for yeah. everyone and he was he mentioned having patience with the movie, and if you have patience with it, it's gonna pay off and to really kind of let the movie take you on this trip basically right because if you're like not in it, you're not gonna get anything out of it really if yeah. you're like kind of half watching it
0: yeah I, I really feel the same way it's, it's like a ride you have to sort of give yourself to like being on a roller coaster if you're resisting it for any you're reason you're not gonna like it yeah you're <laughs> gonna fucking hate and have a miserable time so just you know watch the trailer but I would say the least that you know of this movie which means if you don't want to listen to this and then watch it and come back <laughs> do that the more you give into this movie I think the better experience that you're going to have overall. Having said that, that wraps up our uh, review and a little bit of a deep dive into uh, Skinner which we uh, highly recommend you guys check out in any format. Um, we are on social media at Instagram and on Twitter at Come Pod. And like I said, we do a video podcast on YouTube. Just search Come Pod and you, sh- you should be able to find us. Coming up is we're in the thick of award season. So we're building up to our big uh, Predictions Oscars podcast. Until then, you know, just be on the lookout. And that's why you should subscribe, like, comment, especially on YouTube, because that helps algorithm and just boost our, our reviews and our deep dives overall. Thanks again for listening. And we'll catch you guys on the next one. Cut. That's a wrap.